Hola, hola, everyone. Welcome back to La Saludable Latina Podcast. I am your host, Lilia Gomez, and I created this space to share tips and pointers about women's health issues. Each episode of La Saludable Latina is made with love, support, and empowerment. Let's keep in mind that we are all sisters here to inspire, support, and motivate one another to maintain a healthier lifestyle, but also to create an awareness, chicas. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about Vivian Torres' story about getting diagnosed with a pituitary gland tumor. Listas? Here we go! La Saludable Latina. We have our very first Latina guest here tonight, Vivian Torres. Do you want to say what's up, girl? Hi, everybody. So Vivian Torres is actually joining us tonight to share her personal story with her diagnosis when she was diagnosed five years ago. She went on a health journey that kind of took a little bit of a different road path and unexpectedly. So Vivian is going to share with us how she was diagnosed with a tumor because it's a very complicated diagnosis. It's kind of like a three medical word, long-term diagnosis. I really can't pronounce, but I'm gonna try to as of right now. She was diagnosed with hyphosifitis lymphocytic granulitis. And to make it more understandable in English terms, it's like a pituitary gland tumor, right? Mm -hmm. So we're gonna start off con Vivian and we're just gonna ask you some questions to get to know your journey and Chime in on your personal story, how you found out about how everything went for you. And really, girls, just get expressive because we have women probably going through the same process Mm -hmm. that you once went through and are going through still to this day, right? Because it's something when you got diagnosed, it wasn't like it disappeared right away, right? It's something that's still being managed. Yes. So my first question to you is, Vivian, when you were going through this diagnosis, before it all started, before you actually went to go see the doctors, when did you notice your first symptom? Migraines. Migraines 24-7, every day, weeks, months. I would I would sleep like an hour here, an hour there. The headaches would wake me up at night. Okay, so you it had... Was bad headaches. Bad headaches. And what were you thinking at the time when you were getting these headaches? Like- I thought it was migraines. So at the time, I had... I had switched insurances, so I kept needing to go in to get my physical to start the process with the new doctor. Okay. But I kept telling him, like, you know what, I, I keep having these headaches. So he thought, let's try this allergy medicine, or let's try this migraine medicine, and nothing was working. Until they finally did the MRI. Okay, but before we jump into the MRI, so you were getting these headaches that you were, some of the symptoms that you were like, I'm getting these persistent headaches, they're mm-hmm, not going mm-hmm. away. And at first you were just thinking they're just a headache and it's going to go away, right? And then what happened after the headaches? Because you mentioned like, as you were transitioning from headaches, there was another symptom that kind of came into place. After a while, I my periods went away too, after a while. But um, I think I was having the headaches for a good four or five months, maybe six months, and then that's when the periods went away too. So what did you notice when your menstruation went away? Like, um, I thought it was because of stress, Yeah, because of, of work. Yeah, because we all know, like, as a woman, we have so many roles to play, right? And then when we get so strung up on work and family and everything that's going around, our stress levels go up, and that kind of goes into our 
menstrual cycle going MIA for a while. Yes. And we think it's kind of normal, right? Because I'm pretty sure you, at some point you thought, oh, well, this is just normal. I have headaches. My menstruation went away. Uh-huh. But then what made you realize that it was more than just a headache and your periods were actually prolonging more than usual? I think I was more worried about my headaches mm-hmm. than about the periods at the time. Okay. Because it was nothing was helping i was taking about maybe 10 12 tylenols extra strength tylenols a day just at work okay i was taking tons of tylenol tons of ibuprofen anything allergy medicines anything that would help with the pressure with the headaches and nothing was working yeah so that was kind of a difficult process for you to be like this is not working out for me what's going on so then you took action right so you decided to actually make an appointment with a doctor yeah and did you make an appointment with a family doctor or with a nurse practitioner no it was actually for my physical okay for the new doctor so i oh okay so that's what i would i was going in for that and they would ask me oh any other symptoms like i have really bad headaches can he go over that and they so i think it was a couple months before i actually had my physical because every time i would go in they would address my headaches Mm-hmm. not do a physical that way they could look into that and that's how it was addressed at the time addressed, yes. so you went in for a physical assessment and in that physical assessment appointment you addressed the headaches mm-hmm. and that's when the provider said okay we're going to refer you to no he tried giving me um allergy medicine first because okay. he thought it was around allergy season and i told him i had had slight allergies in the past mm-hmm. but never bad headaches like that and then he after okay try this for a couple weeks had to go back in because it didn't work. Okay, try this for another couple weeks. Didn't work. And it was like that for with allergy medicine and migraine medicine and nothing was working. Ah, uh, so instead of doing a referral for any further studies, he first started with an assessment and then went into medication prescription, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to kind of mm-hmm. rule out what was going to work out exactly. and what wasn't going to work out. And then at some point during that time, did you get frustrated? Like, why am I taking these meds if they're not working? I, I was tired, but I was tired of taking all the medication, but I knew I had to take it at least three weeks. Mm-hmm. for it to show if it was working or not yeah because it usually takes about a week for it to be in your system to okay maybe it'll work the first day maybe it won't work the second day but after a good two three weeks it's that's when you'll know okay it is working or it's not working that is so true because that applies to any medication that when you get prescribed the medication it doesn't take just one to two three days or one week it actually takes a couple of weeks so you yeah. were actually being very patient with the assessment with the recommendation yeah. so a couple of weeks went by and still no progress still right nothing. yeah so then what happened after that like when you went back to the doctor and you reported there's no progress being made what was the next step for you um after all the medications and no one working, that's when he ordered the MRI for me. Just to see if there wasn't anything else going on, like maybe sinus infection, maybe maybe something okay. else going on. And that Was the MRI a full scan mm-hmm. or just... Just my head. Just the head. Uh-huh. Okay, so he ordered you a referral for an MRI of the head. Uh-huh. And where did you get your MRI done? Was it with the radiologist's office or at a hospital, outpatient, radiology services? I think the first one they did, I think it was at Sharp. So it was probably yeah, with radiology, outpatient, yeah. radiology services. And that's, you know, pretty normal when you get a referral for radiology. How long did it take for your insurance? I think they were they were pretty good because, especially because of the fact that he did try a few things beforehand. It, he was covered as to uh, why he was ordering it. Okay, so it was a good thing that he did the plan of assessment. Yes. He recommended some medications that didn't work out. The provider documented your progress, mm-hmm. documented the outcomes. And then after that, he said, okay, well, let's do the MRI. So, of course, the insurance as a case manager is overviewing the 
progress mm-hmm, notes from the mm-hmm. doctor in order to validate if the referral is going to get approved or not right mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. imagine if you didn't do any of that i don't know if the it, insurance would have said yes right away exactly um because they would have wanted to know why i was getting an mri mm-hmm, exactly so yeah. once you got approved got the mri done when you had your appointment for the MRI, what were some of the feelings that you were going through? Because a lot of times we get recommended these referrals, these radiology exams, and at first like, oh, it's no big deal, but then once you go to that appointment, and then if you're alone, or you have a family member, but you're going to the exam room alone, what were some of the feelings and some of the thoughts was, you were going through? I was glad he ordered it because then I knew, okay, this way they'll find out what it is because the medication's not working. I was just tired of taking medicine. Yeah. I was tired of it. Like, okay, if either he needs to find out what it is or he needs to give me medication that works. Okay. Because I got tired of switching medicines. Okay. So you were ready for the referral for the MRI. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't yes. no, you didn't feel nervous. You didn't feel any like, oh gosh, what is that? that? I remember I was a little bit, but it was like six years ago too. Yeah. I'll be lucky if I remember what I did last week. <laughs> um, but I was nervous. I think I was more nervous when they called me to go get results. I remember they called me, oh, can you come in tomorrow for results? Okay, so it's right away then. Okay. From when I got the test to when I got results. But I just remember going in on Halloween because I had to take off my costume in the car to go into the doctor's office and then all the MAs were dressed up too. Oh, so you were like, I could have just had my costume and got my results. (laughs) Well, I couldn't drive with my costume on, so I had to take it off. Oh, okay. I was Octomom. Okay. Oh, so... The most nerve-wracking part was getting the results once you got called back to find out what the results were. So it was probably an easy process for you getting the exam done. Mm -hmm. And then once you got called back, that's when you were like, okay, now the results are in. What am I expecting? So when the results came back, your diagnosis was the? A pituitary tumor. And you went to go see a specialist and by then? Yes, different hospital, different doctors. And when they did my surgery, they did a biopsy and that's when... Oh, okay. they said, so, "Hey, it's not this; it's this." Oh, okay. So then, so you so, got your MRI done. You got diagnosed with a pituitary tumor mm-hmm. at the time of your diagnosis. Before we jump ahead into the actual diagnosis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you had the surgery and then the biopsy, when you had the pituitary tumor diagnosis, what were your thoughts? If you can't remember, I remember when I was telling the doctor, like, "Okay, what does that mean?" He thought, "Well, it's just." that it doesn't officially explain all your headaches but it could be one of the reasons but not really like he he wasn't very he didn't explain it as good as i would like have i did more research but he said because where i had it that it's not very common for people to get headaches from it oh i see and then he was telling me that oh well it's gonna mess with all your hormones so like so what does that mean am i gonna be able to get pregnant well it's gonna be hard to if you are if you're able to it's gonna be really hard to but you might not be able to okay pretty much cut it right there that oh you can't get pregnant so he was pretty straightforward with yeah, like and what I this didn't could like possibly that. be um considering that you went to this provider was he a specialist giving you this no. diagnosis or he, he was he just he, a primary doctor he was my primary doctor giving me the results um, and then he he told me that after that he gave me the information that he had okay so when i left he gave me a little printout with information and he thought i'm gonna make your referral for the surgeon for if you want to okay. ask questions and then he gave me a referral it was just for a neurosurgeon okay so there was a referral for a specialist to follow up because this yeah. was already out of his scope of specialty and i want to make that very clear that when you get a diagnosis from a family doctor or a nurse practitioner or a pa that a lot of the times they only know a certain diagnosis to a certain extent 
because mm-hmm. now it's out of their specialty. So when he was very blunt about that particular diagnosis and the way the message came across, you were a little bit stunned and kind of didn't like the tone of how he said it. But also, too, um, I think all providers need to be mindful of their patients' thoughts and their feelings because if they don't specialize in that area, they could be giving a medical professional opinion until you actually see an actual exactly. specialist that actually has that expertise. So once you got the referral to the specialist, you mentioned there was a neurosurgeon and who else? I don't remember if he gave me anybody else. But you're right what you said, though, because I didn't like that he was trying to give me information about not being able to get pregnant when he didn't exactly know the full scope of it. He should have told me, you know what? I don't want to give you wrong information, mm-hmm. so I'm going to refer you. Yeah. That's what he should have done. I think what a lot of times what happens is the providers kind of sometimes maybe jump the gun mm-hmm. and just kind of go based off of what they know, um, what they've been trained on. But really, it should be coming from a specialist because mm-hmm. they actually specialize in that specific area where they're going to be knowing exactly what they need to do as far as labs, recommendations, surgery, or surgery, mm-hmm. follow-ups, and assessments. So I think it's really important like when you get a diagnosis to get referred to a specialist that's going to have a little bit more background um, in that specialty because mm-hmm. not, then you'll feel comfortable that you're going with a provider. Asking, yeah, especially asks, going to ask questions yeah. and everything. Yeah. So, you got the refer, so you actually found out your diagnosis through your primary doctor because mm-hmm. he made the referral, and then he said, obviously, he was pretty blunt about um, what he had, you know, made his recommendations mm-hmm. and obviously made the referral, and then you went to go seek to a neurosurgeon, right? So yes. How far along did you, did you wait to make that appointment? I, if I remember, it was yeah. a couple weeks, and then they called me to make the appointment and I, I remember seeing one and then I while I still had sharp I remember getting another MRI mm-hmm. maybe one or two MRIs afterwards and then um what was the reason for getting the MRI afterwards because I, have to, I had to now it's yearly okay that time it was yearly MRIs monitor the size ah, of it okay thank they you. had to make sure if it was okay if it's um x size and in a year it's still that x size mm-hmm. then it's not an urgency to take it out Okay, so they wanted to monitor the progress yeah. to make sure that it wasn't growing or yes, advancing? Yes, because of where it's at. Okay. Because since it's right, if it grows too big a certain way, it could pretty much push up against my optical nerves and make me go blind. Uh-huh. If it pushes too much on a different way, it could pretty much smush my carotid artery and I could have a stroke wow. or a heart okay. attack or yeah. something. So it, it was just weird. So it wasn't a very and unique it was, position. It in, and it was in such a spot that it was pretty much encased in a little thing of bone. Mm-hmm. So if it grew too much, it would that's when it would pop, kind of like pop out of that and mm-hmm. then push into those different places. Oh, that could so have they just had, blindness. Yeah, or, or, and, and then or they still. just wanted to make sure my pituitary was still not being entirely smushed. Okay. So that's why every year I had to get it monitored. That's really good to know because I didn't know you had to get yearly. Right now I'm at every six months. Okay, good. So it's not a year, but it's six months. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're monitoring you just to make sure everything's being consistent and not growing Mm -hmm. out of place. So that actually was really good. So after you actually went to the neurosurgeon, you discuss your plan of care i'm assuming right yes they gave me um different medications to care over it but it was when i switched jobs i 
I still had Sharp, but I went to a different surgeon and I just didn't like his office. I never went back there and it, it made me not like the Sharp structure because this doctor wasn't actually connected to Sharp. He was just affiliated with Sharp. Oh, so... So none of my information was sent. Was rolled over. Okay, so let's clarify that because um, when you were saying that you were breaching your insurances, you kind of expect to roll over to a provider that's within the network, but then you find out they're just affiliated. Well, he was affiliated with Sharp. Yeah, so he was affiliated with Sharp, but he wasn't within the Sharp system, knowing yes. that everything rolls over as far as medical records. Yes. So that's something that we encounter as case managers mm -hmm. that not all the time because you're going to an affiliated doctor, you assume automatically that they're going to have everything mm -hmm. because it all depends if they're in the network of the you know of the hospital system yeah so you found out through your when you were rolling over to your new insurance rolling over to a new surgeon that you were like mm, i kind of don't like this no i didn't find out till i was there okay my doctor said oh yeah we made your you have an appointment this day okay do i need to take anything no we're gonna send everything they need okay i show up for my appointment paid my like 50 dollar copay and I'm sitting in the office for like two hours. Oh, we don't have anything. I was like, I asked you guys and I asked them if I need to bring anything. Everybody told me no. So he, all he could do was just like go off of what I told him and just give me general information. Pituitary tumor, not necessarily what he knew of my case. So how was that process for you? It was very annoying. I got to my work and I complained to my boss. And then I complained to my doctor, but I wasn't with sharp very much longer after that i switched within four months i was with kaiser yeah so then you continue your services with kaiser yes so everything i love it so just remember um when you're switching insurance plans or healthcare settings or group settings or providers always sign a release of medical records um always take a copy of your records because you just never know if the providers are going to be ready with your records and the most frustrating part is going to be like you get to your appointment on time you check in on time and your records aren't there mm -hmm. and now you're waiting for two hours and now you're just having a basic conversation when it could have been a very detailed conversation for mm -hmm. a consultation mm -hmm. right based on what you told him right mm -hmm. so you kind of felt at that point in time wow like this consultation could have gone a lot more differently if you would have had my medical records yeah. right so i always say it never hurts to get a second opinion because then you validate with which specialist you want to actually follow up yes. with yes because that doctor was the second one because the first surgeon i saw um my main thing was like should i take it out like does it need to come out there like no 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 it's still small just yeah. leave it uh-huh just take this medicine right to control it right yeah, so it yeah. wouldn't grow so i always think it's really nice to get a second opinion because that will narrow down your decision really mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. whether you want to you know manage it with medication or if you're really 100 percent sure that you want surgery done so what was your decision after not going back to the second surgeon well um after not being able to ask him questions that i had um i was just like i'll just manage it later like i'll just figure it out and the office i worked for the doctor was an endocrinologist so what he told me he'll next time you have an mri i'll look at it oh that was and nice I'll, and i'll tell you what my honest opinion is I'm like okay so he was giving you a personal opinion, knowing yeah. that he wasn't treating you? Yes. So he was he, just going to give you his two cents. Yes. This is what I think is going on? Yes. And then... And because he was a Sharp-affiliated provider, mm -hmm. he was able to pull up, pull up my labs and everything. <laughs> he went out of his way because he wanted to help you, which mm -hmm. I always think is really nice when providers try to help you um, figure out who you need to see, what specialty, what labs... 
Um, and I think in your place, did that help you? It did. My headaches were, they had gone away with them, all the medications, but they were starting to bother a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's why he wanted to look into it for me. And he told me, he like, you know what? It's not too big. It's still manageable. Just, just um, take this medication. And then he actually made a referral for me to go see um, a different surgeon. Okay, which so she was I able never, to make, you never went, went to. Uh-oh, <laughs> no, why did you decide not to go? I left that job for something else. Oh, okay, so you ended up leaving, and then you couldn't complete the referral because it obviously was in an in-house referral. I'm it assuming. was yes, because yeah. he was sharp, and then I went to our to work with us. Yeah, so and now it's I a have different, Kaiser. Company. Yeah. different company, different company, different. In, Different doctors, different everything. Yeah. So that's one of the most important facts is that when you're switching your job positions into a new healthcare setting or organization or company is that sometimes your insurance is not going to stay in the same mm-hmm. and therefore your network all of a sudden starts changing and now you have to look for a new provider, for a new team, for a new specialist. So how was that transition for you? Knowing that you kind of had to not start oh, from scratch, I but was, kind of I was, in a way? I was very, very, very happy to go to Kaiser. Okay. Um, when I was looking up the different insurances, like what are my options were, the first thing I looked at was how much coverage I had for MRIs. Because oh. I knew I had to get them at least once to twice a year. That's a good tip, ladies. So in case if you needed to get MRIs for whatever diagnosis you may be diagnosed with, the first tip that Vivian said she looked up her coverage on MRI because she knew that was going to be a continued care that she needed for her mm-hmm. insurance coverage, right? Yes. And I kn- the with the other insurance we had, I knew I was going to have to pay co-pays for that. But with Kaiser, I knew I it was covered. And I had Kaiser when I was a kid, and I liked it. I never had problems with Kaiser, so I was very happy to go to Kaiser, mm-hmm. especially because I know that they have everything in-house. Mm-hmm. Any specialty that you could think of, they probably have one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about records being, oh, I'll say, I'm going to refer you out to the specialist and then we're going to fax the referral. Yeah. We're going to fax the records. I didn't have to worry about any of that because everybody's in-house. So one of the things that was really beneficial for you um, switching over is that Kaiser had a network of providers with specialty providers mm-hmm. already in place. And sometimes that can be different for other healthcare settings that Yes, they have amazing providers, but sometimes they don't have that one specialist that you may need. I always say be patient because you will find the right specialist or you will find the right plan or eventually you'll fall into the plan of care that you need Mm -hmm. with the group or insurance plan. So for you, it's actually beneficial because you got the providers that you needed, everything was in-house, and then you were able to continue your assessment and follow-up care after Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. And then once you went into Kaiser... How soon was the follow process for the specialist, like the neurosurgeon? Um, when I switched over, I think within, um, I want to say within a month or two after being officially on with my new insurance plan, I think within a month I had appoint- all my new patient appointments and then I was already getting in that new patient appointment, getting all the history, what's going on, what's in your past. So I told them, you know what, I have this tumor. Okay, we'll get you all the referrals you need. Oh, nice. So I was sent to a gynecologist, an endocrinologist, and a reproductive endocrinologist. Oh, wow. So they just, here you go. I think it was my gynecologist that sent me to the reproductive endocrinologist because she's a fertility specialist too. Okay. And I think the regular PCP gave me the referral for the endocrinologist, if I remember correctly. So there was, now we're playing into to about three or four different specialty doctors. So I think we're going to cover the second half with the GYN and fertility specialists and endocrinologists on a second episode because we're going to welcome Vivian back 
to explain the second half of her journey. Um, but before we wrap it up, um, Vivian, during the whole process of going through this experience, getting diagnosed, being referred to a neurosurgeon, getting your MRIs yearly now to six months, how have menstruation cycles been? Are they still normal or sporadically or kind of waiting to see what's gonna happen with the next year or two or how did that go? Because I know you said your menstrual periods were well, missing at some point. That's so can you the explain thing, that part? The, tu- the pituitary tumor, where it's at, it messes with all your hormones. Ah. So this whole time that I've been trying to deal with the tumor, they've also been trying to see, well, try this medicine to see if your period comes back. Ah, Try this medicine to see if your period comes back. So they were trying to also manage your menstruations to see if it would come back. And I think I got a period, like a full, full period, maybe four years ago in January. And then I think I want to say in the past four years, I've probably spotted five different days. no more than 10 days in four years so when you were going through that process of kind of like monitoring your menstrual periods with the medications that they were giving you and then monitoring if you were going to get your periods um you did get your period in january then you were spotting at some point now you're following up with a gynecologist and endocrinologist and fertility right because that kind of rolls into that second phase of your diagnosis right yeah yeah and we're going to talk about that on the second episode because vivian is full of life experience and her personal stories is going to be shared among other latinas who are listening who probably might be going through the same process but maybe having different symptoms right it's actually uh pituitary tumors are very very common because sometimes you're very small and you just don't have symptoms Mm -hmm. i got the lucky one yeah so some it's it's very common in women so just to be aware, um, so like Vivian said, pituitary tumors are very common, a diagnosis, but you won't find out until you actually get maybe a CT scan or MRI mm-hmm. of your head. So be aware of your symptoms. Um, be mm-hmm. aware of what's going on with your body, the changes, your moods, your hormones. Vivian, is there any tips you would like to give um, when you were going through this journey to our listeners that if there's anything that you would like to advise them on or encourage them in this process, what would be some of those tips? Me, I think I would have had them do the MRI sooner versus later the first time because of all the medicines I've had to take oh. in these past five, six years, seven years. So many medications and it's just like over it. Now I don't even want to take my vitamins anymore. Yeah, because there's so many pills Ugh. that you get kind of tired of the, oh, I yeah. got to take these pills now and I got to continue with this and that. Um, yeah. My tip will be from listening to Vivian's story is advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you don't feel like taking the medication and you feel like getting a referral for a radiology exam, advocate for yourself and let the providers know, no, I think I want to do this first to make sure there's nothing serious going on and then maybe I can follow up with medications to see if we can manage it. But with you, it was a little bit different because it started with headaches and you were trying to manage the headaches and you thought it was just allergies. We were trying to manage that, so that is a thing. So that's I, that's more understandable, like because yeah. we we're trying to figure out like why am I getting these migraines? But I also think advocating for yourself is very important. Yeah. And if you feel if you feel like you have a hunch or a gut feeling about something, speak out and let your doctor know about mm-hmm. it because the doctor can make those assumptions. Like if you go into an appointment with a doctor and you sit there and they're gonna review the medical record, you're gonna assume that they're gonna figure out what's wrong with you. But they're not going to know until you voice it out to them. They won't concerns. know if you have no, sim- no yeah. symptoms, if you have 
new problems that aren't on the record that were yeah. received to them. Yeah. So the most important thing is always talk to your doctor about your symptoms, updates, your progress, because the more they know, the more they can actually do your plan of care and oh, then yeah. make the referrals for the right specialists and exams and labs, whatever you may need. And be comfortable with your doctor. Don't be shy about, oh, I didn't want to ask him this because I was shy. Yes, do oh, not be I, shy. I, I send messages to my all my doctors <laughs> all the time. I'm like, hey, this, I was like, is this symptom normal with my medication? And he'll respond within 20 minutes, 30 minutes sometimes. Provide an example of an embarrassing um, question that you might have one asked. Of the medica- <laughs> one of the medications... Um, the newer medications I'm on, the first couple days, I kept tasting metal. Oh. And I kept smelling metal. Mm. So I texted my, I sent a message to my, not texted, I sent a message to my doctor through the Kaiser portal. And I told him, is this for the medication or should I be tripping because I'm having a stroke? Because <laughs> it's one of the symptoms yeah. of a stroke. Yeah. So he, they messaged back, they're like, no, that's for the medication. You're not having a stroke unless you're having these other symptoms too. Yeah. But it, my, I, I told my boyfriend, my boyfriend's like, really? You really sent that to your doctor? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think any stupid question like, is a good question to ask. You know, and I sent it to my endocrinologist and I see him every six months and mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah. It was, I was seeing so many doctors at once. I almost invited them all for Thanksgiving. Hey. I, Thanksgiving that's, but that's how often yeah. I was seeing them and spending time with them that that's I was good, there though. with all of them. I wanted them all at home. Because you need to have that personal relationship because yes. now you're actually establishing a relationship with your providers. They have to get to know you. They have to get to know your personality to, in yes. order to treat you well and provide you the plan of care that you want because after all, you're you're their patient and they should be doing the recommendations that you need. Not, mm-hmm. you know, And you should be in 100% in agreement with them. So like Vivian said, do not be shy to ask any silly, stupid question that might come up because at the end, if you're still thinking about it and you never asked it, it's always going to be in the back of mm-hmm. your mind, right? Mm-hmm. So we close out with that episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at lasaludablelatina at gmail.com. If you have any questions for Vivian, um, email me through the, the email for La Saludable. You have an event coming up. April 22nd or 29th? No, April 30th, Sunday the 30th. It's going to be at Liberty Station. It's actually an infertility walk. It's with Resolve. And if you want to join the team, my team name is The Seekers. The Seekers. Like Harry Potter. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Harry Potter freak. That's okay. I haven't read the books yet, but I've seen some of the movies. I know I'm so bad, right? You're forgetting. As long as as you've seen or read it somewhere, you're good. Yeah, so what we're going to try to do is try to promote her group out because we really want to create this awareness. Do not be scared, ladies. Even if you just want to go support this amazing event to let women know that they're not alone in this process, um, just for their support, um, to really raise that awareness and come out and walk. You're getting your exercise done. I'm going to provide the link to Vivian's team on the blog, so make sure you look out for that. But that's all for now, chicas. Hasta la próxima. We're going to continue with the second episode, probably, most likely, next week. Hasta luego. Besitos. Bye.